Greetings, faithful listeners. This is Dave Kale, stalwart Silmarillion seminar participant and director of programming at Middle Earth Network Radio. What you are about to hear is a live, candid recording made on the night of Saturday, July 16th at MythCon 42 in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I would like to forewarn you now about a variety of things, sound quality, interruptions, the loud music in the background, because this recording was made in the Sandia Springs Lounge at the MCM Elegante Hotel, and on Saturday nights, the lounge is a pretty happening place, complete with dance floor, lighting effects, and live DJ. The end result is quite entertaining, though occasionally difficult to understand. Further, there will be an interruption in the recording shortly before 55 minutes, and if you're listening on Middle Earth Network Radio, you should expect a brief interlude before we resume. In this episode, you can expect to hear our thoughts on the programming at MythCon and new Mexican cuisine, some informal reviews of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2, and an interview with Paula DeSante, the screenwriter behind Born of Hope, the brilliant full-length fan film made by Actors at Work Productions that tells the origin story of Estelle, better known as Aragorn. And all of this fascinating conversation is set to the classic tunes of Michael Jackson, Tina Turner, Shaggy, and many more. How can you beat that? Before we begin, I would like to give a shout-out to my companions on that night. First and foremost, Corey Olson, the Tolkien professor, and Paula DeSante. Also, Laura Burkholtz, Jason Jewell, Matt Shaw, Chris Stevens, and last but not least, the sometimes absentee Jordan Brown, who could not always tear himself away from the beautiful bartender. Frankly, I can't blame him. Now please sit back and enjoy this special recording of the Silmarillion Seminar, live at MythCon 42. Okay, hello and welcome to MythCon 42. This is the Tolkien Professor, and I am live with several people sitting at the, Mythopoeic, the, the conference of the Mythopoeic Society in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Uh, we are, as you can doubtless hear from the background uh, noise, we are sitting in the hotel bar uh, of the, 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 the hotel uh, where we are having the conference this year. And uh, so we were all, you know, all sitting around. I'm sitting around with uh, six members of my Silmarillion seminar. Uh, you know, some voices you might recognize if you listen to our live broadcast. And um, with me, and and uh, and also a special guest, whom I'll introduce in a minute. But first, I will tell you who else is here with me. We have Dave Kale. Uh, a stalwart member and, and, and editor of the of the Silmarillion Seminar, uh, and also uh, uh, one of the founders of the Middle Earth Network. And we also have Chris Stevens, and Matt Shaw, and uh, and Jason Jewell, and Laura Burkholtz, who is also one of our editors, and uh, Jordan Brown. But he's having a conversation with the bartender right now, and will be joining us shortly. I, well, or maybe not. But anyway. <laughs> Depending on how the conversation goes, I guess. And we'll let you infer the rest. <laughs> <laughs> and, and also uh, joining us, delightfully, having just seen the announcement on, of the Twitter feed from upstairs, <laughs> is Paula DeSante, who is also here at MythCon. Um, uh, so, uh, so we're going to basically just sort of share with you some of the stuff that we've been thinking about and talking about here at, here at MythCon. First, I should explain a little bit more what that is. Uh, MythCon, which is what it's called for short, is the annual conference of the Mythopoeic Society. And the Mythopoeic Society is one of the oldest Tolkien fan societies in America. It was founded during Tolkien's uh, lifetime. As I said, this is the 42nd annual conference of the Mythopoeic Society. Um, it's named, of course, after Mythopoeia, uh, the term that was coined by Tolkien to talk about the, the, the creation and, and, and writing of myths. 
um, especially in reference to his conversations with, with C.S. Lewis about that. And so the Mythopoeic Society has always been interested in, especially in Inkling studies, uh, Tolkien and Lewis and, uh, and, and Charles Williams. And, uh, and there's also a wide variety, in addition to scholarly uh, papers that are given here, there's also stuff for writers and artists. And uh, it's a, it is a much more diverse fan community here at MythCon than is usual at uh, just traditional and slightly more boring scholarly conferences. Oh, hang on. The waitress is here to order drinks. This is a, an important moment. Which we have. Okay, all right, we're good. All right, we're good. Uh, so, so, you have to excuse us every once in a while while we take care of very important business, I guess, here. Uh, so... Um, we wanted to uh, well, first wanted to uh, 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 talk with, uh, with 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 our, our special guest <laughs> Paula here, and so this is this was really really fun because uh, we we, we d- decided to do this fairly spontaneously because we uh, we just came back from dinner together and decided to do a live broadcast. And uh, it got tweeted around, and she just came downstairs from upstairs where she got the tweet. So uh, we're delighted to have her join us, um, uh, especially since she tells us that this is this is this is not just this is not just any uh, you know uh, member of the Mythopoeic Society who is joining us. Hang on a second, we're making some adjustments here. <laughs> ah, I see. Okay. <laughs> yes, this is. Uh, Again, some 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 interesting live bar moments going on here. <laughs> See, I've, I've propped up our microphone on Dave Kale's wallet, so it's not lying flat on the table, and he just had to extract money to pay the waitress. So here we go. Okay, sorry for any sound disturbance that that caused there. Uh, yes, that's yes, nothing but nothing but spontaneous fun here here with God. Anyway, as I was saying, uh, uh, Paula actually we learned. Uh, is actually the screenwriter for Kate Madison's film Born of Hope. And I know that uh, in those of you who are listeners to the Middle-Earth Network Radio will have, uh, will have heard uh, the, uh, the, the interview that, that we did with, with Kate Madison. And, um, and we at the Middle-Earth Network are excited to be working with her more. So uh, we're, de- we're de- delighted to meet Paula and uh, would love to hear more from her about her you know how she got involved in the project, and uh, you know sort of her experience in, in working with this, because it's and to me I find the um, I find the, the 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 whole phenomenon of Board of Hope uh, it's really remarkable. I mean, it's funny when when I try to describe it to people, uh, you know, friends of mine who aren't Tolkien people and and, and who don't know it. I always get the same look. In fact, uh, I, was, I, I was saying this to a former student of mine the other day. I was, t- I, I, I was telling him about it, and I was like, yeah, it was, a, it was an independent film made by a woman who's a big fan, and she directed in it and acted in it, and his response was, do you know how many red flags that sets up? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I know, but, but you should see it. I, mean, it's, 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 I, mean, I find it a really remarkable uh, 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 film, which really just... It really does defy the odds in those ways. Um, so anyway, so oh, tell well, us something about how you got involved. All right, well, uh, about 2006, I'm a huge Tolkien fan. I first read The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings in 1975. And I'm always trying to keep up with stuff. So one day I sat down and I thought, I wonder what the latest uh, Tolkien news is. So I literally Googled Tolkien news. And there at the time was a website called Tolkien News. 
So I thought, well, I've never been to this one. I'll check this out. And um, they had little um, items about different things going on in fandom and, and um, with the publishing company and that sort of thing. And there was this little item about Born of Hope. And I think the same day I also saw it on the OneRing.net One because they had pulled that news in. And I thought, oh, I wonder what this is about. So I went uh, to the site, and I'm looking around. I'm going, wow, I'm really impressed. They had done a trailer for a proposed film. And I thought, wow, they're really, you know. So I was reading through the different pages, and um, uh, on one page it said, well, we're looking, we want to do a longer film, and we're looking for people to help with, like, costuming and, uh, you know, makeup and costume, uh, costumes and uh, acting and that sort of thing, and writers. And I thought, well... I know they're in England, so I can't help them with that other stuff. But I do know how to screenwrite, and that is something I can do from across the pond. So I sent Kate an email, and uh, you know, dear Miss Madison, and uh, uh, just told her my background, and uh, I sent it off. And I said, you know, I sent her. Kind of, I thought I really want to do this, so I sent her my uh, resume and that sort of thing. And I have a lot of screenwriting. Um, Experience, so uh, I didn't hear anything for a couple of weeks. I thought, well, I don't know how long that sign has been up there. They may be all set, you know. And then she got back to me, and she was like, so apologetic. She's like, oh, I flagged your email, uh, but um, just now getting back to it. So we just started uh, going from there, and um, she sent me what they had, um, and originally it was going to be three. 10 minute segments because at the time with YouTube um, uh, that's how yeah it was going to be like that and uh, so we I'm going to make this really short we started working on it and uh, basically totally reimagined it because at first she was just going to direct it and then she realized it was the kind of film she'd want to be in so she had created this uh, character for uh, Elgrain for herself. Which which character was that again? That is the female ranger. The one right. that, that yes, is in love and, with, right, right. with... Okay. So, um, uh, we just... And again, I'll make this really short. Back and forth for about a year and a half, you know, working on stuff. And uh, that's how I got involved. So, um, I also made a bunch of the props, too. Or the, I made all, almost all of the uh, prop arrows... And uh, yeah. quite a wow. few of the quivers, and wow. I just went on. I didn't know how to do it. I just went online and sort of made it. I have a lot of uh, theater background too, so wow. you know, so they, film so, and so so they taught screenwriting and fletching. Yeah, and fletching. <laughs> I learned to fletch online, seriously, and I, I got all the stuff on eBay. Well, we, we were talking you know, about that in the car about yeah. how professionally made that movie is. Right. Well, you know, it. Uh, uh, the good thing is, you know, they can get wonderful actors almost any time in England because mm. they're just there, you know. And, and uh, I you know she put out a call and got hundreds of, of uh, uh, resumes and headshots and that sort of thing. So um, she could tell you the production story. But I really can't because I was here in America, but... Um, uh, but yeah, it was real interesting. We did most of our discussions over Skype and that sort of thing, and uh, um, well, back and forth. The, with how much of the story was fleshed out when you got involved? I mean, was it just the well, bare bones? I got, there were a couple things we ended up using in the final, but it really was t- 
totally different from what uh, she originally sent me, except for a couple scenes that survived in there. Mm-hmm. I'm, I have to tell you, we, there was so much revision going on. I'd have to look back at what she originally sent me because it wasn't complete. They had, you know, in, in some places, paragraphs to describe what the scenes were going to be because mm-hmm. they hadn't been worked out yet. But um, uh, but then it, it really was very different by the time it got done. So. Um, you know, and then uh, there were some things they had to write some things on the fly because some of the stuff I had written they weren't able to do either either a cost factor or they couldn't they lost a location or that sort of thing. But uh, for a good chunk of those scenes, um, they were able to send me what they had written so I could polish it. So it would all sound like it was coming from the same place, the same voice. So. Um, and there were one or two that they just wrote because they had to do it on the fly, but it all worked in very nicely. So, and it was it was a lot of fun. I mean, I thought it was a blast. And I remember um, at, at an earlier MythCon, we were I think in California. Um, this was right before the Lord of the Rings was going to start, and one of our members uh, got Philippa Boyens to come in, oh, cool. and I interviewed her. And I was thinking because uh, uh, the friend who, who got her to come in said he approached me and said you're the perfect person to do this because she's going to be screenwriting and her has been screenwriting and uh so that was a lot of fun so i just feel like there's this fun connection and then uh that had always been like a little private dream of mine to you know be able to do the screenplay for the lord of the rings and now i can say i have done a lord of the rings movie <laughs> so. wow. but i did use a pen name so, uh, uh, but if you look at the name Alex K. Aldridge, look at the initials of Alex K. Aldridge, and it's A K A. That's my little my little inside joke. Oh, great! So it was great, and I finally got to meet Kate last year at Dragon Con because the um, uh, movie was being shown there, and uh, when uh, I arrived. Um, uh, we decided, well, why don't we just share a room? I managed to get a room when it should have been impossible. Somebody mm-hmm. must have canceled. So, And then she determined she was definitely coming in. And uh, so when she got there, I was already there. And it was like, I, we, we said, we feel like we know each other already because we had worked so closely on wow. you, know, you know, sending emails and talking on Skype and that sort of thing. And There were people who worked on the film all over the world. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, if you look at the list of people at the uh, end of the movie, there are hundreds of names of people who either contributed uh, to make it possible or who actually worked on the film. It's really pretty incredible. It's really so. amazing that you can do these. Like, I mean, because we're 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 the byproduct of the same thing. It's amazing that you can do these long distance distributed collaborations. These days. Mm-hmm. Like, it's really quite incredible what you can pull off. Mm-hmm. Not even sitting in the same room anymore. <laughs> Well, I know uh, for uh, uh, Chris Bouchard for The Hunt for Gollum did the same thing. A lot of the effects were done in America. Uh, so, mm. I mean, if you've seen that, you know how yeah, to see that. And uh, so it really is, uh, you know, people fitting their, fitting it in around their regular lives, and, and they made it work. And it, Kate, at least in terms of Born of Hope, Kate held everything together. I like to call her a force of nature because that's what it takes to do something that big. So. Yeah. Sure. It's really great to see what, you know, somebody who really has the vision like she had and the kind of energy and, you know, just to, to see her be able to realize that. I mean, I, like I said, it seems so unlikely from the outside. I don't doubt it seemed far more unlikely 
from her perspective, you know, to think that, like, to, to imagine not only being able to do it, but really do it as well as she did. I mean, she, she, she did yes. such a great job. And it went from a short to a short feature, which, yeah. is, which still blows my mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That all the dedication yeah. for that. Well, yeah, I mean, um, the Humphrey Dolan film is not that long. How long is that one? I think that's uh, a little more than 30 minutes long. Well, and it was okay. impressive yes. as it was. Yes. And then yes. to have one feature length was... That's, just boggles the mind. It really yeah. does boggle the mind. <laughs> it does. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when you imagine the budgets that the, the big studios typically oh, I know. spend yeah. making such things. Well, yeah. Kate can tell you stories about them camping out at the um, Westo to do the, you know, and using that as a backdrop. And apparently all the people who work at Westo are like, this is great. You know, they helped, they helped, her, awesome. helped her out. And it proves that you can make a fantasy film without a lot of CGI. You know, yes, even though there is some in there. Yeah, but, you know, yeah. it, it really, this is a character piece that's kind of my specialty anyway. And, of course, I was writing to Kate's specifications, too, you know. So it was just like she knew what she wanted out of there. That's why we went back and forth and, and uh, uh, a lot. And, uh, you know, you want to make your director, producer happy. So, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, But I, I, I was so excited to be part of it. The way, and she didn't know this till last year when I met her at Dragon Con. I said, "Well, you know, you don't know this, but I gave you the longest death scene." <laughs> 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 so, <laughs> so you can really just act, you know. Yeah. So. That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Cool. But yeah, they were really, really good. It was uh, a pleasure to be able to do it. I wish I could have met the whole cast in person. Yeah. What, uh, what have you been working on recently? Well, um, uh, I, <laughs> I have an original low-budget fantasy uh, that um, uh, Kate, uh, just last year, uh, got a hold of me and said, hey, you know, we want to do some more stuff. Would you like to do, do this? So, yeah, I started. I got kind of got stalled because, my unfortunately, my real job is very consuming. But I'm all, all jazzed to get back to it, and I have a ton of notes. I take a lot of notes, and... Kind of a that's one of the reasons I wanted to go to the world building uh, um, panel today because I thought, all right, you know, I've been doing some stuff and making little maps for myself, and um, I just wanted a few more pointers of, of uh, you know, what other kind of things to look at. So that, that's what I'm working on. Hopefully, I'll kick into gear and get all my notes together. I moved recently, so I've, everything's still in boxes, but. Um, uh, you know, I already have a lot of notes, and that's how I work. I, I think of the storyline, and, and I went back and forth for, on a, with a um, uh, just a synopsis with Kate. So, but it's kind of evolved even from there. So, and she, she and uh, Christopher Dane are working on something else too, a couple of projects. So, um, everybody's kind of so there's stuff in the works. Stuff. Yes, so. that's good. We'll have to keep our eyes open. Yeah. <laughs> I love the fantasy genre, so, you know, it's right. a no-brainer for me. It's like, sure. <laughs> Coming to a computer near you, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's great. I mean, I think that uh, it's, I mean, I know that, um, I know that the the reason that Born of Hope was put out on the computer in the way that it was, was, you know, primarily because of all the copyright restrictions that right. it had to be right. done that way. But, you know, I think there's such a great future. Um in that, you know that you know, I, it's one of the things that I really admire about uh, about Kate Madison is not only the great job that she did, but I mean I think it's really 
this is something, you know, as we were saying, to be able to do something which is well, which is like instant worldwide distribution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. It, you know, which re- makes it accessible for people mm-hmm. as well as you know being able to do it without spending you know, foolish when, amounts of money. Or, I think in the near future, when they kind of per- perfect um, that kind of release, uh, a lot of more uh, uh, more uh, films on the low budget side will get a, the wider audience they deserve. So. Yeah. Yeah. And um, you know, I don't think that has been, uh, you know, I don't think the perfect delivery system is there yet, but it's close. Yeah. So no, I, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think it's. I've been thinking about that about internet technology for a while. You know, you've got um, already. You know, you've got the internet has been you know putting mainstream print media in trouble for a long time and really challenging that. Um, of course, you've got things like. Middle Earth Network Radio and other things which are, you know, challenging the traditional radio model and the podcasts and stuff. Uh, TV and film has not yet quite gotten it, but but the internet is getting around to it. And and I'm actually really excited to see that. I think it's going to create some really cool opportunities. Well, you know, some of these uh, television uh, manufacturers now, there's some 70 inch, I don't know who's making that one, there's some huge oh, yeah. screen, and it's like, oh my god, it's almost like having the, uh, right. theater, the theater experience at your yeah. own, so, mm-hmm. and I think when there's more of the streaming yeah. into the TVs, and that that technology is here, but it's getting better, yeah. Um, yeah. and when yeah. it's seamless, it's going to be great. So. Yeah, so I, I think it's exciting to see to see the opportunities that'll be there, and I mean, and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing... Uh, uh, you know, seeing the, the the future stuff that that, that you know Kate Madison does with her studio, and uh, I, it'd be be great to see the, the, well, the stuff that you're working I, on. I hope so. I spent I went to USC film school yeah. and uh, got a master's in filmmaking, and spent a lot of years out there, as I say, tell people, almost making it as a screenwriter. I had a lot of close <laughs> calls, and when the projects fell apart, it was usually because the financing fell apart. Yeah. yeah. And in one case, the director died. So it was uh, not good. No, and the the director, it was uh, John Candy. He was set to direct this low budget comedy that a friend of mine, Alan Glasser, was producing. And uh, Alan uh, had me do the rewrite on the script that he had. And he had Canadian money all set up, and they had decided it was going to be John Candy to direct it. And uh, so I did a massive rewrite. So I would have been a co-writer, and I thought, oh, my first screen credit, you know. And um, uh, the day I sat down to write a cameo for John Candy on the news, it said he had died. And I called up my friend Alan, and I said, oh, my God, Alan. I had to leave a message because he was out. I said, did you hear what happened? And he had been at a business lunch, and he got back and said there were like a half dozen calls saying, oh, my God, Alan, did you hear what happened? (laughs) And mine was the first. And after that... It, it was called Ski Vacation, and everything you needed to know about it is in the title. It's very <laughs> silly, very silly, but very funny. And um, uh, if you like silly humor, which I do. And uh, and then after that, the, the money fell apart. I mean, he tried oh, to get another Canadian actor, and the money people just said, nah, we're now we wanted him, and now he's dead. And it was yeah. really it was really a shame. So because John Candy would have been wonderful. He's, yeah. he's a very funny man. So. Anyway, so that was my kind of luck in Hollywood. I yeah, finally got yeah. sick of it and I went home. So, well, but then you know, you catastrophe. I, mean, I know that, that that kind of story that uh, you know, that you were telling about. I mean, 
that's the kind of thing that it seems like doesn't really happen to people, right? Like you just send somebody like, hi, well, you know. No, but um, seriously, I, yeah, yeah uh, I, I wonder what's going on in talking news. Seriously, so yeah. I, I literally Google talking talking news and found that link, and then. And you, you know, just went from there. You know, so, yeah, just say, like, hey, that'd be yeah, great. Yeah. You know, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. So, anyway, so yeah, that was, it was fun. And uh, it was uh, a lot of work because I would do stuff at night and then I'd write on the weekends and that sort of thing. And I'm making all these arrows and making these quivers <laughs> and stuff like that. And, uh, it was. What they, you know, I thought, and I remember telling, I, I sent I them a bunch of feathers that matched the ones, and I, I was like obsessive. I hand dyed the green feathers until I finally figured out I could buy them green. Okay, I bought these turkey feathers. On, I got all this stuff on eBay. And, the question is, did you also get a credit for Fletcher? No, I didn't get a credit for Fletcher, but I had to learn how to do it. Use the stuff called fletching tape, which is, uh, you know, instead of having to glue it, you get like double sided and it's real thin and I got really good at it. So. Oh, so it was tricky to ship <laughs> over skills there. Combined. But it turned out, I sent them all these, I said well you're going to have to have somebody make real arrows that fly. These are just going to sit in the quivers. And, oh, okay. Yeah. But they didn't have time so they actually shot them and, and they said well they, they, they flew pretty well. So I'm like okay. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's like probably they didn't didn't actually have to bring anything down with it. I no, no, so. no. But you know how yeah. I made the actually, tips? I used a, I used a um, pencil sharpener we went to make the tips, and I hand painted like, uh, all the uh, arrows, either uh, the, oh, wow. the, the uh, unspecified arrows hero. and the, the Dunedain arrows were, um, I used um, uh, shoe polish to give them that rich tone, oh, wow. tone. But for the orc arrows, I had to actually paint them black. And then I had to paint, and I used acrylic, so everything would just sort of stick. And then I painted the, the, the tips on all of these things. How, how long did that take you? Hours. <laughs> but I would do, you know, I would say, okay, tonight I want to get five of these done. And I would just, you know, and then on a weekend I'd try to get 20 of them done. Oh or but it took a long time. Wow. wow. And how many did you end up making? Um, about 100. Mm. So. Wow. Well, I mean, I know, you know, it's... It all worked out really well for yeah. you, and obviously you can't complain, but next time you meet Kate Madison, you need to talk about that fletching credit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, actually, I do have a, a weapons, like, arrow, okay. you know, so there, I have a weapons fun. credit, so. But, 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 but fletch is such a cool word. It is a cool word. you got to use that word, yeah. I even have a fletching jig. There's a thing oh, called a fletching jig. Yes, you gotta you have a jig. I got no way for that. Tell me about but this. But I have to so, tell you, but it's, the, it's 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 the dance of the arrows. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> so no, is, is there a verb associated with that? Like, is part of the fletching process to jig something? I, I put the put I the put the, the arrow uh, in the jig. So it's, yeah. it's just I, I watched enough of Yankee workshop. There you go. There you go. I'm just kind of. I was just kind of vainly hoping no, that there'd be yeah. a verb involved. No, no. no. But okay. that would be interesting. Yeah. Okay. All right, so I'm going to shut up now. You guys talk. No, no. <laughs> All right. Well, we look forward to what's coming up from you. Thank you. Thank you. I, uh... You know, I gotta get on the stick names, and, and you know, like I said, finish my notes and start the actual. Yeah. Fletcher. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Fletcher my, yeah. yeah. My wife's maiden name is Springer. Springing the boat. Oh, there you go. Oh, there you go. I didn't think. Ah. I, I, didn't I never think, that think about that when I hear those names. That must have been a different profession. There must have been stringing something else. Maybe it was. But uh, I prefer to Coop, think of it that. Wasn't it Cooper the one that made the barrels? Yes. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
<laughs> you never even think about that on a daily basis. Yeah. There's That's a lot of Baker, That's why there's so many Smiths. Smith. Smith, yeah. Farmer. Uh, Draper, yeah, right. Draper, Draper. I was, that's what I didn't consider. Did drapes? Well, yeah. then there's yeah. kale, which is a vegetable. It is very appropriate. Like kind of Professor Sprout, you know, predestination. That's your segue to Harry Potter. My ancestors taught herbology. That's right. That's right. Yes. Now we're bringing up Harry Potter because it was one of the events that. MythCon, uh, we, we, we took a big trip out to see uh, to see the film last night. So that's yes, we did. We all have uh, Harry Potter in mind here today. <laughs> you know, I w- let's see. Did you go watch it? I didn't because I've only seen one and a half Harry Potter films. Oh, okay. I would have been totally lost. So. Oh, okay. Did you guys see, like? I was going to see if we could see the filmmakers. It was, uh, it was a good film. I mean, it was the, it was set up to be an action film. It was an action film. That's yeah. kind of what mm-hmm. you got. Yeah. I actually, it was enjoyable. Yeah, I have a good time. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought they that. I mean, obviously, *The Deathly Hallows* is such a large book that even in a two-part movie, you have to do a lot oh, yeah. of streamlining. Oh yeah. And I, yeah. Uh, I'm sort of setting this up for Dave vehemently <laughs> to disagree. What's your name? But I actually thought they did a pretty good job of streamlining. I mean, yeah. I, yeah. I thought that that was yeah. that was. I mean, not that there were no. I, not that there weren't any decisions that they made that I that I disagreed with, but I thought it was it uh, was very streamlined. Yeah, yeah. very. Yeah, it so. was. They 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 managed oh, to race good. through the stuff at Shell Cottage. Yes, yes, oh, yes goodness, they did. That was fast. Oh, so, he, yeah. he he interviewed the um, uh, grip hook and uh, they were done in two minutes. Alexander, yeah. boom, boom. Yeah. 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 Fifteen minutes in. I mean, if, if you like, you know, went to the bathroom before the film, you missed <laughs> all of the Shell Cottage. I mean, it's unbelievable. Whereas if you're reading the book, that's that's you know that's a serious time investment. Yeah, through all that dialogue. Yes. Could have skipped it. It turns out. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> all they had to do was lean the sword up against the wall, and then the goblin would be like, "I need to think about." No, nope, never mind. That's my price right <laughs> <laughs> now. And I, I, the one thing that I was, I mean, they talked about. The, the actual Deathly Hallows themselves, yes, almost never in yeah. the films. I mean, it's, I, that, that was the one part that I was that I was thinking. If I hadn't read the book, I wouldn't have the faintest idea. I should have at least visualized the Hallows and kind of explained. Not a clue. Yeah. Like, there's I mean, a whole subplot in the book where, for, for a long time, he's distracted by the thing because he wants to go after the Hallows instead, and they. Yes. They wisely uh, did away with a lot of that. Yeah, now, yeah. I'm going to make a confession, which is like, I did. I, I, ha- I haven't seen the first half of Ellen Saw Part 2. Um, the second I, half is better. I didn't know how much of that went into the first film and that they were just building off They of, tell the story of the Hallows. Of the Hallows, the yeah, yeah. That actually was the best down. part of the movie. They did a fun little animated featurette inside. It was, the a, t- it was a Tim Burton-looking thing. Yeah. Yeah. Really? <laughs> That's cool. That's nice. I, did, yeah. I, I forgot about that. Yeah, that was that was the best part of that movie. Then the rest of it was them, you know, camping. Right. Yeah. <laughs> there was some That's great good. scenery. That's great. They added uh, this fun little scene where Harry and Hermione dance badly to some song. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, it's very I mean, awkward. But if you were camping for that long, wouldn't you know you? Yeah. Well, you'd you know, be doing something. Trying to find something to do with your time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, uh, but anyway, no. I mean, I thought that you know the choice to focus on the Horcrux quest 
as almost exclusively as they did in the film. I thought it was a really was a right decision. It was a really good choice yeah. by them. I agree with that. I mean, it did make. I, 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 I was just thinking, especially when he gets the resurrection stone at the end, and with the thing with the with the snitch. I was. I, mean, I was sitting there thinking, there was, like, there was no build what, up <laughs> why did he pull that out of his pocket? Where did that come from? Well, yeah, I mean, it's that, that, I can only imagine how perplexing that would have been to somebody who didn't know the book. Yeah, yeah same thing with the broken mirror fragment, which yeah. they never planted earlier, and then he just had it, and they began it in the first, which you didn't see in the yeah, other yeah. Deathly Hallows movie. He was just like, hey, I've got this mirror fragment, guys. Oh, all right. Fair enough. You've seen a strange face well, occasionally. Well, it may have been shot. They just couldn't fit it in. Yeah, right. it, you know, it's true. I haven't watched all the extra features. So. There might have actually been an explanation for it. Well, they planned it all at the beginning. Yes. And they shortened the epilogue, which was also a good idea. I, I would argue not quite enough. Not quite enough? Yeah. It was still a few minutes too long. Yes. Yes. How long yes. was it? No, I'm sorry. Well, they had than, to put it in. It was yeah. more than zero minutes long. Than yeah. Yeah. They had to put it in. Neville became the professor of herbology. That was the only thing they left out. They left out quite a bit. Why didn't Hermione become like headmistress of Hogwarts? That was her destiny. She stayed home to raise the kids. That was what... You know? There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> no, there's nothing wrong with it. But you can have kids and a career. Please tell us anything. We have no idea what their jobs were in the movie. No, they didn't say. None of the professors of Hogwarts seem to be married, do they? We never find out, I guess. That's an interesting point. No, it's point. more like there the old like school system. It's like the old boarding school system. I hear like medieval universities uh, have vows of celibacy. This is special content we're going to get on Pottermore. Is a backstory on Professor McGonagall, including early heartbreak. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I want to picture that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you guys are cruel. All right, let's do our. Let's go around the table and everybody say one thing that they've really enjoyed about MythCon. Or yeah, we don't have favorite talk or something. We don't have to go in order to yeah, yeah. put okay, pressure fine. on let's, people. But, yeah, yeah, let's yeah, talk about yeah. MythCon. MythCon, yeah. Especially since, except for Paula, yeah. who, is, who is a veteran here, yeah. um, this is actually the first time to MythCon for any of us. Really? So, yeah, oh, you've so got to keep going. All you of our first coming. experiences at MythCon. MythCon is one that I've been meaning to get to for several years, but I usually go to one a year. And, like, I know there are a bunch of, like, Michael Drapp, and I've talked about this before, you know, like, usually it's like, you know, because you, you also want to go and do medieval things, so sometimes you can do both, like, at Kalamazoo, but anyway, there, there are a lot of places to go, and I usually only have budget for one a year. All so. right, but now, you've been to Kalamazoo, so you know how to get to Michigan. I do. Two yeah. years from now, it's at Michigan State. To Michigan oh, yeah. State. Oh. Oh. How far out they know? Berkeley, yes. That's uh, awesome. <laughs> two years. Sometimes oh, we know three, but right now yeah. it's just That's what she just said. Yeah, Berkeley next year and uh, Michigan State in Michigan State 2013. Oh, okay. Jason can't wait. <laughs> For Berkeley? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've always been meaning to get out there. <laughs> cool. 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 Yeah, All right. uh, I, my first MythCon was 1985. And I was 26 years old, and so now I'm 26 times two. And this is—I've uh, only missed three during that wow, time. So, great. Anyway, and I love it. I, I love coming here. Do you? It's fun. Yeah, yeah. No, it is—it is clear. I mean, it's one thing that's been clear from the beginning is how faithful a group uh, you know are here. I mean, there are some places, but like a Kalamazoo, where you know 
so many medievalists go almost every year, so you get, but it's not like that was the devoted people right. who are like, I'm just counting down the days till Kalamazoo. I mean, that's, right. uh, that's not usually the way it is. So. I start looking forward to the next MythCon, the day I go home from yeah, this, yeah. you know. Yeah. yeah. I love it. So, so what's a wonderful friend. What's your, been your favorite part of MythCon this time? Well, I think the uh, program is wonderful. So uh, I love the writer's track. This year there's some oh, great yeah. stuff. Yeah. And, uh, and of course, just seeing old friends. Um, I'll go to most of the tol- talking track stuff. So uh, cool. And uh, great. You know, it's just the traditions and stuff like that. We do a number of silly things and a number of uh, wonderfully um, academic stuff, too. So uh, I, I always tell people I get to be a student again. When I come there, to there's an audible recording thing. Right yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> actually, it's very loud here. It's funny, and I think from uh, we, scouts who have been listening to the radio have told us it's actually easier to hear over the radio for you guys than it is for us around the table. Because uh, the recorder we're using is not picking up the booming bass quite so loudly as we're getting it from the dance floor. Except we're not only sitting in a bar, there's literally techno dancing going on <laughs> like maybe 10 yards away from us <laughs> and yeah. the other side of the room yeah. Yeah. I think like Jordan might be participating and, and yeah, we're going to get the no, Tolkien no, professor out there we discovered, <laughs> we discovered that Jordan is a lounge person he is, he is. <laughs> we know what his favorite part of MythCon is <laughs> <laughs> the ladies <laughs> so uh, um but anyway, back back to serious subjects here. Um, I, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to just like jump in and steal things. I've really been enjoying getting to hear, uh, you know, some of the talks and stuff. It's always, it's always really neat um, going to conferences like this where you get the kind of mixture that you get here of people who are, you know, non-professionals but lifelong devoted fans. And you know some some young people, students and grad students, many of whom are delivering their first papers. And then you get some. You know, we just heard a wonderful talk by Verlin Flieger earlier today. You know, who is as professional that was as it lively. gets. Yes, you know, it was. Like, oh yeah. man, yeah. The, 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 the She's got rocking, some great comebacks. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. rocking discussion that we had in that yeah, room yeah. after that after that catch. She was, uh, but she was in charge. That one of the, the my primary lesson, I think that I've learned this year is don't mess with Rowan Flavor. No, <laughs> and it's great because she's a she is so wonderful and yeah. so kind and so friendly. Um, but yeah, when it comes to when you're discussing talking from her, she oh, yeah. she won't take any crap from yeah. anybody. She knows her <laughs> stuff. She is, you cannot get away with anything. That's right. with Shall Flavor. not she's pass. Fantastic. Yeah, she's just like she's not even she's not mean, she's just Straightforward, yeah. just like somebody says. Well, I think it should be like this. Why? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, but I agree with you about fifty-two percent. <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. I mean, she she does such a great job. I mean, and you can tell what an experienced teacher she is, and how often she's you know dealt with these kinds of things from students and stuff. She's so good at pushing things back and saying, okay, yeah. that that thing that you just said is a plausible idea, and that sounds really great. But come on now, let's go back to the text. Show me where that is. That you know, or she'll and she knows the text so well, and can just it's it's uh, she is as a she is a pro. She's the she's the oh, yeah. consummate pro. You know, it's, uh, she's she's great. Also, when she 
when she senses somebody's getting a little bit too uppity, she knows how to put them in their place. She's like, I don't remember your name back there, sir. Come here, you again. It's all right, man. Uh, we just had lunch for four hours yesterday. That's cool. I don't know your name. Go ahead and ask your question. <laughs> Yeah, I like the, uh, you have everything from like the very advanced scholar to the fan and everything in between. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. One of the best things about them. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, so I saw one on the other end of the spectrum about Twilight. Oh, okay. Specifically tomorrow <laughs> morning at 9 a.m. You will see. Yeah, see some fans. Yeah, you'll, you'll, see, <laughs> you'll see the other end of the spectrum. Yeah. Yeah. One scholar, I should say. Yeah. We do have a scholar yeah. with us. Right. And a gentleman. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. No. It's actually it's 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 one of the reasons that we were. Uh, it was. Uh, it was well, as as most of our crazy ideas do. Uh, it came from Dave, um, who who just said one you know several months ago because we we'd been talking about Mifton and of course we knew it was happening and uh, you know Dave said because the Summerlin seminar had been going on for a while and um, you know and Dave said hey why don't we do a panel at Mifton. And you're like, yeah, yeah. My idea, actually. Yeah, it's Dave's idea. all ideas. I think it was my idea, actually. Oh, so I, and Laura's been grabbing all of her ideas. I want to make sure I get mine. It follows the pattern. You've got to grab them. It's usual. Where makes a good idea, and then immediately Dave says it really loud. Yeah. I think that's what happens. Right, right. Got it. And it's my strategy. That makes perfect sense. Well, he knows a good idea when he hears something. That's why he's not delivering a paper tomorrow. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it was Jason's idea. That's entirely <laughs> typical. Well, anyway, Jason had the brilliant idea. See, when Dave's, Dave's idea, it's a crazy idea. When it's Jason's idea, Jason's idea. It's a brilliant idea. I, I'm looking forward to it. So, anyway, so hey, yeah, we should do it. That we should do a panel. You know, my first reaction was, well, that's a little bit crazy. But I'm like, no, actually, that's not, that's not crazy. And, uh, and 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 it was it you know, seemed really cool that you know MythCon seemed the perfect place to come together to do that. So uh, we're 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 excited. So. Um, so yes, the uh, Silver Island Seminar participants will be represented we'll be, tomorrow morning. We'll be rocking the, the, rock the house. Silver Island Nine o'clock that's right. in the morning. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Got the early session on Sunday morning, and it's going to be awesome. Yeah. So. Well, this, this is the first conference at which I've been scheduled to present a paper where I arrived at the conference not having written the paper yet. Oh, there you <laughs> So my conference experience has been a bit Stand different from most others in that I spent a lot of time in my hotel room trying to write the paper. But, I would like to but, say that I've never had that experience. <laughs> I spent a lot of time in the bar it, it writing my paper. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jordan, I am so surprised to hear that. I got shocked. Yeah. Laura, you, of course, can you read first from cocktail napkins? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, man, I think that's a pretty good, uh, you know, some pretty good personality profiles of our, of our <laughs> presenters, actually. Yeah. I don't enjoy stress. Are so. you all on the panel tomorrow? Well, the only three are actually delivering papers. Okay. So, yeah, Laura and Jason and Jordan. And I'm going to be just introducing and stuff. Okay. Depending on if you have time left over, we're hoping to have some open discussion about the experience of doing an online seminar like this. Like, Very cool. Because a, a few a people that pitched that told people were like, "Oh, we're here. We're all part of this seminar." And like, "Oh, is that the university?" And we're like, "No, it's on the internet. We live all across the country." And they're like, 
Wow. Really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Never would have thought to do that. Yeah. It's, like, it's well, amazing how I feel how well we got to know each other before we actually met. Yeah. Yes. I mean, yeah. You know, yeah. I'm sharing a room with someone I had never met before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's it, it's actually been the, the part of it which I think has really surprised me the most. I mean, I expected um, to be able to do discussion. You know, on you know, we use we use a audio video conferencing software, so you know, it's, we all log into the room and we can. You know, I expected the technical part to work fine. I was pretty sure that discussing the book would be fine, um, but that was one of the big questions. You know, when I was thinking. You know, basically, a question I've been asking myself a lot recently as I've been doing different podcasting stuff is, okay, you know, the stuff that I do when I teach at the college, what of that, you know, how much of that really could translate uh, to being done over the internet with people around the country? And the only thing I hadn't tried to do, I'm like, okay, I can deliver lectures. And, you know, that was my first question when I started the podcast. Can I deliver a lecture? And, you know, I'd always had, I'd always had good, uh, uh, you know, good success. And you know, connecting with my students in the in, in the classroom. How many people? Can I um, can I still How make that connection through a podcast? And that worked really well. Yeah. You know, can I do like office hours? Can I do like the drop-in discussions and things like that? On I know Skype you like featured uh, at least one or two of your students. Yeah, because I've trusted them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, for me, teaching-wise, sort of the last frontier was. Excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. We're trying to have a podcast. I'm today. trying to enjoy this music, Corey. We're, discuss, we're discussing ratings. Yeah. This is the downside of doing this live in person. See, when I do this on the internet, I could have just killed Dave's microphone. Right yeah, there. you just shut it right off. Instant silence, and I can go on talking. So, but or anyway. you just shunt the conversation off to the chat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But anyway, anyway, so hey, it was their fault. They wanted to know how many people were listening. I see. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, well, don't forget that the microphone is actually really quite sensitive, so oh, yeah. we'll pick out, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever, whatever. Okay, anyway, as I was saying, the final frontier was, can I, can I teach a class discussion, you know, and have that kind of discussion, so, but I was sure going in, I was like, okay, I'm pretty sure that'll work, but it's probably going to be pretty awkward, I mean, it's going to be a bunch of complete strangers who can't see each other, and, you know, and, you know, I, I didn't expect anything anything that would be even similar to the kind of chemistry that you can yeah, usually class. build in a discussion class. That's what's been real striking to me is the camaraderie. Yeah, it took, a, oh, yeah. it took a while, though, because for a while there it was very, it's such and such's turn, then it's your turn, and now we're getting more organic with going back and forth a little bit, you know. So you guys are all meeting for the first time? Yes. 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 That's great. Yeah. Yeah. We're what? from uh, seven different states. Yeah. Yes, wow. we are. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Where, where, where do you live now? Michigan. Michigan. Okay, that's right. Yeah. So you're not far from, from Laura, who's from Wisconsin. Wisconsin. You're from Wisconsin. Oh, Wisconsin. Okay. Yep. I'm from Indiana. Where, yeah. where, where in Michigan? Um, suburban Detroit. Oh, okay. I work, suburban, in, I work well, in Detroit. We should go around the table and say where we're from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, oh. so, so you're from Detroit. Yeah. Well, I actually, uh, I'm, oh, I'm from, from, actually from Gross Point Woods. Yeah. Gross Point Woods. There we go. And I'm from Madison, Wisconsin. Montgomery, Alabama. Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Austin, Texas. Indianapolis, Indiana. 
Los Angeles, California, the center of the world. <laughs> Dover, Delaware. <laughs> capital of one of the coolest states in the country. <laughs> that's, that's right. Oh, really? Easily. How many counties you got? Best <laughs> states in the we got a hundred in North we Carolina. Got three counties, and they're all awesome. Yeah. How many universities do you have? Eight. <laughs> about to have nine. <laughs> You have more you have twice as many universities as you have counties. <laughs> it is, man. I'm telling you, Delaware is an awesome. It was actually it was kind of sobering, you know, flying in. We saw the the forest fires in the different in the distance that are north, which is covering a larger square area than my state right now. Yeah. So, I mean, well, just, that's not too hard though. No, it's not. It's really not. As a resident of Texas, I can attest to the size of the state. Yeah. And yeah. I have flown from Phoenix to El Paso to Austin. And the flight from Phoenix to El Paso was shorter than the flight from El Paso to Austin. And I was like, I'm in Texas. Like, I flew over half of Arizona and all of New Mexico into Texas, and that was shorter than flying from Texas to Texas. So, and Austin's the middle of the state. Yeah, yeah. yeah. can't be originally from Texas. I am not. Because no. I don't hear an accent. My no. mother's from Houston, and yeah. I thought, I don't hear no. that accent. Uh, <laughs> I'm originally from downstate Illinois, right across okay. the river from St. Louis. Oh, okay. so. oh there you now, go. My state is... I'm originally from Arkansas. Are you really? So my uh, state is 15 miles wide. 15? 15, 15 one five. That is, so we see Arkansas. I don't, know. I don't even understand the concept. My state is bigger than the country of France. <laughs> and by the way, we're proud of that. Yes. <laughs> you should be. That's right. Well, my state is larger than the country of Luxembourg. <laughs> well, that's so Vatican City. <laughs> but, <laughs> my state is cold. That's, that's right. <laughs> but it has great cheese. Yes. Great it cheese. has great cheese. And beer. And beer. And brats. That's and really all I can't see what you could possibly need other than that. <laughs> I think it's cheese and beer. I'm not a native, but I think that's what we need. Green chili. Green chili. Yeah. Yes, we were talking. I, I think. I think so far, we've, we've, this is my third day in Albuquerque, and I've eaten exactly one meal which did not contain green chili. <laughs> and that was breakfast, and only because you didn't have enough time to get an omelet with green chili. Green chili, and otherwise I would. It was available, just not enough time to eat it. Yes. 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 Dave, Dave even had a beer with chili. Yeah, yeah. Chili beer. What was it? The Ponto Verde Chili Cerveza. That's right. That's right. My, my cab driver on the way in said, uh, have you had New Mexican food? And I now realize that is cheese and green chilies. Okay. It's the staple of New Mexican right. food. Cheese and green chilies on top of stuff. Yes, on top of yeah. something. Right. Like yeah. A, yeah. a steak. A burger, you know, anything, yeah, really. ice cream, yes, hamburger, you, you name it. Beer, there's beer. Hot dogs, I imagine. So these are some of the things that we have learned at MIPCON this year. Yes, yes. Perhaps not the most cerebral of the things that we have learned at MIPCON this year. But it's still very important. It's very important. Yeah. Yeah. Also with the presentation. That's yeah. right. That's well, right. I was going to say, I've, I learned a lot from Michael Grout's oh, yes. talk this morning. That was great talk. Yeah. Being trained as a historian, I, I really liked the, his survey of the history of Beowulf scholarship and the different theories that it, the accretion of scholarship is the phrase he used, which I liked. But well, I that was, it was very good. I don't know much about Beowulf at all, and his presentation really, I mean, it made it meaningful for me. I thoroughly enjoyed his presentation. Yeah, you know you're a good teacher when you can give a lecture, not on Beowulf, 
but on 19th century Beowulf scholarship. <laughs> yes. To a group of people, many of whom haven't read Beowulf, and, and carry the room. I mean, that's, that's Michael Drought. That's yeah. Right. Yeah, it was very meta. It was scholarship about scholarship. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. Yeah. It was postmodern with a big P. Or a small piece. No. Oh, yeah, no. Small piece. Small piece. Small piece. That's what I knew when I was out of my depth right yeah, there. Yeah, I, I felt like the, 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 the climax was toward the end of his talk, and then it took a nosedive when we got into the Q&A. <laughs> he handled it well, though. He, he, he did. He handled no, it but I just, well. I feel like with an exciting talk like that, inevitably the questions are not as interesting. People start getting into little esoteric points that are really important to them. Oh, yeah. And the speaker's like, oh, yeah, sure, all right. You're like, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it is really hard with a talk like that. You know, like sometimes you can have an awesome Q and A session afterwards, but yes. but it's hard. It, it's harder than like you know, for instance, in in Berlin's talk this afternoon. You know, her talk was was so accessible to anybody who read the Silmarillion and the Lord of the Rings. I mean, everybody had something to say about it. Not everybody was like bursting with stuff right. to say about the Beowulf scholarship. So I mean, usually, I mean, it can go really well. Either when you have a moment where you have like a lot of people just asking questions and basically extending into spontaneous teaching time, which can be really great. Sometimes you can get, be really, really lucky and have a bunch of other really great scholars in the audience with whom you, and, and then you just like end up sitting there spectating this like really awesome give and take between them. Um, but both of those things are, you know, they don't happen every time. And it's, yeah, that's you know, so he is a fantastic lecturer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he really is. It would be, it would be a real pleasure to take a class. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, he has those modern scholar series on yeah. uh, that you can get from your local library. Yeah, I, I actually just listened to his, uh, um, his history, history of the English, English language. language. Yeah, yeah. This, yeah. Uh, this, I, I, uh, this past semester, it's great. I need really to find good. that through interlibrary loan or something, yeah. So what yeah, do you guys good. think of MythCon so far? Oh, it's been great. Yeah. And unusual things like I can't remember the gentleman's name who talked about legal issues in Douglas Kane. Douglas Kane. Yes. Not David Kale, but Andrew Douglas Kane. I had no idea what it was. Go to Google be about. have listeners. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Uh, He's a, he is a very, a very uh, well-established Tolkien scholar. And it was interesting the way he started. He started like with yeah. the, the contract between Bilbo like and Gore. It was very tongue-in-cheek, very light. But as he went on, he went in the things in the Lord of the Rings and, and um, uh, Silmarillion, stuff from the histories of Middle-earth about the people of, of the elves and some of their society and marriage practices. And, but I'm, but it, and leading it into... A legal discussion within their society. That's a very interesting discussion. Yeah, yeah, we saw a good one too, uh, Sam McBride. Yeah, absolutely fascinating stuff. So the comparison of the Valar influence in the Lord of the Rings, and not just a pre-supposition of like, this is what I think. This looks like Valar influence, but specific sentences yeah. sort of taken. We'd like to apologize for this abrupt break in the immensely fascinating recording of our MythCon bar talk. It was caused by a malfunction in the recording software that I personally was using, so mea culpa. Unfortunately, we lost about a minute or so of conversation, so we're not going to pick up exactly where we left off. Because, you know, it's so easy on the one side, Laura, just as you say, to get into 
Tolkien was Catholic, so I could go read Thomas Aquinas, and that's what Tolkien believed. Thank you very much. Which is just not true. Um, and it's also equally easy to go off the other side of the path and be like, here's what I personally believe about Iluvatar. What's great about him was he had these really concrete yeah. examples from the Lord of the Rings. And uh, I don't know if he, we, we unfortunately came in uh, halfway through it. So, so I don't know if we talked about the Silmarillion at all, but uh, we had re- really good examples, you know. So I think Verlin Slieger would have been happy. In the Lord of the Rings that seemed, that, that Im- not just implied, but were actual sentences that see- that describe sort of an otherworldly implication for what was happening. Uh, he'd done his research very well. It was in the text. It was in the text. It was all from the text. Yeah, no, I really think think that that can be done. I mean, there is enough there. Um, You know, if you are too... Some people are really resistant to to sort of looking through that. But... um, uh, you know, just, because with, with, a, with an appropriate, I think, resistance to going further than the text, but but there is stuff there, and if, if, if you put that, you know, all those things together, I think you really can begin to see. Well, he was very convincing when he was delivering yeah. his, uh, his paper. So yeah, there, there were very few questions at the end of his speech, uh, at the end of his talk, that were, um, I have a point of clarification. So <laughs> yes, exactly. He had clearly done his research. So. Yeah. 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 And then we and then we saw uh, another talk by someone who'd actually published a paper in a in the Strongman magazine, yes. Iron Man magazine, yes. uh, examining the, the strength of grip of Beowulf. Yes. So that was pretty As interesting. To, uh, Magnus Samuelson, right. legendary right. Strongman champion. That's right. Yes, and, that, that, and Batman. Yeah, that was that, that was that was probably my favorite moment in that talk, because yes. you know, he says, you know. It might sound unrealistic, but but yeah, the, the, you know, this guy who you know won the world's strongest man competition, you know, was able to put 350 so pounds of pressure, which is right literally which is literally seven times the, uh, the, the, the the normal strength of the average man. So this guy is literally seven times stronger than the, than the average person. Just like Beowulf, you know. Yeah, so, so they're like, saying oh, okay. They're not just uh, yeah, his, 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 his argument there was that it's it's, it's biologically probable, you know, that an exceptionally strong person weren't just could rip his arm and, off. And he was yeah. doing that in response to this strand of criticism that argues that Beowulf is a monster. Was that? Well, yeah, basically, that it's just like pure fantasy. Uh, yeah. The main, the main. It was it was mostly a theoretical talk, of course, where he was really focusing on. It's been the relationship between imagination and the real world, and you know the, the sort of the the complicated relationship between what we call reality and what people call fantasy or fiction, and, and how you know, he was making, among many points, in the way in which you know fiction is is inevitably even fantastic fiction is inevitably grounded, largely grounded. Uh, in reality, and so that that line is not as sharp as as people would often would often think. I, I kind of liked his phrase when he said, uh, "There's no such thing as non nonfiction." <laughs> you know, it's like it's you, know, you just you can't totally leave it behind. Um, you you start with you start with the world. I mean, 
even thinking back to, to Tolkien's language in on fairy stories, right, where he talks about the power of the adjective and how you can say the green sun, but you're still starting with the sun, you know, yeah. and the color yeah. green. Yeah. Uh, and and that was I that was I, that seemed to be one of the points that he was making, sort of looking at at how fantasy. And, so that was. Yeah. yeah. I thought a neat kind of turn it that was. he was giving to it. And, and he talked about how you don't need to see a dragon. You can explain it by the fire and the flying and the wings. And, you know, you, you can understand a dragon without right. having seen a dragon. Right. 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 Yeah. And he was, he was the, the, the title of his talk um, was the line from uh, Monsters and the Critics where uh, where uh, uh, Tolkien talks about the, the, the fire of the dragon being a physical fire. So that's that was the, the sort of thing he was examining. And, and here I feel guilty because I'm saying all these good things about his presentation and I'm completely blanking on his name right now. But we should totally say his name. We should. No, we, we don't have a program. I will Sims. I will get it. Sims. Do you have it on my Sims? What's the name of last name? Sims. Uh, well, we'll have to look that up, and yeah, so we'll have to, we'll have to uh, post it on Facebook or something like that when we when we figure out his name. Yeah, Jordan's think. gonna find it for us. Oh, there you go. So continue to talk about yeah. yourselves. The, the, magic, the magic of the iPhone. You can find out everything. What was the gentleman's name with the legal thing? Like, the, uh, Douglas Kane. Douglas Kane. Douglas Kane. That's a problem with MythCon. There's three or four tracks, and there's inevitably going to be something you want to see. Oh, I wanted yeah. to see that, but I was also in another one that I wanted to see a little more, and I'm yeah. sorry I missed that. Yeah. It's tough to make those choices sometimes. Yeah, I know that conferences are always hard that way. I mean, conferences of any size, that is, are, are, are always hard, involve hard decisions, so that's. Oh, this is slightly easier than a world con, which might have 15 tracks going at one time. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, so while Jordan's looking that up, maybe we can do the preview of tomorrow's panel. Oh, yeah. And you're yeah, going first, right. so... We oh. should, uh, <laughs> I think Dave mentioned, right before he went back to the bar to get another drink, uh, mentioned that we might have to take a short break for a minute or two and then come back. Um, okay. So we probably should launch into that because we'd have to interrupt it, I okay. think. Um, so let me... Phil, <laughs> our minute or two okay. before we have to take the break that I think they told me we have to take. And maybe I'm wrong, but I think we do. What's your next podcast? Why don't you recite the first few well, lines of Beowulf? I actually have something even more exciting okay. than that. Though, doubtless, any listeners of mine who are listening are probably thinking to themselves right now, boy, him releasing anything would be pretty exciting, actually. But uh, anyway, whatever. I, 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 I'm sorry, but anyway, okay, no, no. Um, well, I wanted to say, actually, uh, news, Paula, that I think you'll be interested to hear, um, and that we'll actually want to stay in touch with you, because we'd love to talk uh, no with you, problem. too, uh, because uh, the Middle-Earth Network um, is, as I think we mentioned before, has, has just established an official relationship with Kate Madison and her studio, right. and we are, the, uh, the, all the details haven't been worked out yet, but uh, the Middle-Earth Network and MyMiddleEarth.com uh, is planning a uh, a summer viewing and sort of celebration of Born of Hope. This great, summer. great. So we're, we're looking to do. Um, the, they're going to host the showing. 
and uh, we're, we're, I think we're probably, I, I might participate with a few other people, uh, me, me, me and, uh, me, and maybe Kate Madison, and maybe you, and who where, knows. where is this taking place? On the internet. On the internet, okay, <laughs> yeah, I didn't know exactly. if you were like good no. actually. No, okay. no, this will be, uh, this will be, uh, as are most of the things that we do. Uh, do you have uh, a target date, or? I don't know that, I'm not, I'm not doing the organizational okay. planning, so I'm just told sometime in the summer, that, you know, later in the summer, um, but uh, but anyway, so you know, to have like a, a discussion, you know, like a, some little like you know mini like DVD commentary oh, yeah. action, you know, kind of. Uh, well, have you yeah. seen Kate's and uh, Christopher James' uh, audio commentary for Born of Hope? That's on YouTube. Yeah. So, oh, okay. Yeah, no, cool. I actually haven't seen the yeah. their, their commentary. Yeah. yeah. So I had to do some additional commentary. That's great. Yeah. No. So. I mean, I hear stuff. Of course, I wasn't there when they were shooting it. Right. And right. just some of the stuff they went through. Oh my God! And how they just kept persevering. But man, it's some difficult circumstances, yeah. and it's like yeah. you gotta want it. Yeah. But it's that hard. Yeah. No. So, and I mean, I, to get I, done, you gotta want it, and she really wanted it done. I think so. I know that the details of this aren't worked out. Yeah. But some of the stuff we've been talking about doing is having some discussion with Kate about the production because of course I'm sure people would love to hear some of the stories oh, yeah. you know uh, even hearing stories about the stories that there are is kind of, is kind of fun and uh, and to, and also to do um, you know some more just like you know, analysis and discussion of the story and the film and um, so yeah I think it, it should be a, it, it should be a fun event so we're we'll, We'll be in touch. We'll be okay, in touch. I gotta make sure I give you my information. Yeah, yeah. Harley J. Sims. Harley J. Sims. I was right. Gave about the talk Sims. about. Gave his speech uh, about. Uh, Beowulf. About the Beowulf. fire of the dragons. Yes, is the, the physical fire. Yes. fire. Right. Yeah, the yeah. physical fire. Like, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Uh huh. Thank you, Jordan's iPhone. That was... <laughs> <laughs> she is always available and ready to assist me. Excellent. Yes. So did. Anybody here come to, I know that's probably not true of you. You read the books before you saw the movies. Did anybody come to fandom through the movies? No. No. Oh, everybody read the books. I think first. we're all too old okay. for that. Okay. <laughs> Even me with my baby face. <laughs> it's still too you old. You read the books first. Yeah. Yes. I read the first one the first time in 1974. Being a beach in my ear. Yeah, Yeah, I no. think I might have seen the Rankin Bass version of The Hobbit before I read the book, but I was four years My old. My son loves that movie, and he's six. And that didn't learn you So well. then you're a fan of the movie. I was four years old. Let's be honest. Peter <laughs> okay. Jackson converted you to the Lord of the Rings. Well, the music selection just keeps improving. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. This is amazing. <laughs> well, they were playing Shaggy. That's pretty cool. Shaggy is the newest song we played for the last hour. Right? We have to take a break. No, we're good. We're good. I thought you said well. We 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 hit the. We're using nice cast to broadcast this. Yes. I saw we toss that in there. <laughs> we forgot about the weakness where you can only record. You can only broadcast with the free one. You can only broadcast an hour um, before it starts overlaying static on top of your uh, recording. Uh, but if you just quit and restart it and start broadcasting again, well, you start over. You know what I bet is fascinating radio. How about you? The nice technicalities cast of <laughs> how long we can broadcast for. It's fascinating. Let me tell you. <laughs> we're we're gonna balloon from ten to eleven. <laughs> Yeah, we're definitely editing that out of the, the, the iTunes version. Yeah. I need to call my sons to tell them to log in. Yes. 
Everyone here, all my mom is listening members. right now. Hi, mom. Hi, guys, mom. It wasn't hard. I just called my my daughter to be on there. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately, yeah, it is. what one o'clock on the East Coast. My daughter tweeted. My daughter would be. Come on, Corey, call your kids. Wake them up. My daughter tweeted that when she grows up, she wants her house to look like Hogwarts, and I'm going at the end of the movie. I think sometimes my house does look like Hogwarts at the end of the movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you don't have filts to... Yeah. No, we don't. That was a nice touch there. Yeah. Filts. Yeah. Yeah. Him running in yelling students out of bed, not so good. <laughs> no, no, but him sweeping after the that was that castle was, was destroyed is... That was good. Yeah. yeah. Well, now, uh, and the cat lived. Yeah. That was heartwarming. The cat lived. Yes, it did. That's yeah. a pretty cat. Yeah, that's good. I, did, so I, that was one thing I was, I was listening was... to you guys over at the bar talking about the world's strongest man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you got that yeah. in there. I was going to bring that that's up. That's a great part. I can listen in on your conversation even when I'm standing in line for a drink. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. Yeah, we're down to eight listeners now. Are we still right. recording? That's right. Are we still recording? Yes. Oh, great. Okay. Yeah, we just keep going. We'll be here all night. Should we talk about... Well, I've got to get some sleep. Unfortunately, apparently none of the other MythCon people follow Twitter closely. Right. Yeah. Well, maybe we can do another... We're all in the cons. Maybe we can do another broadcast. Well, I'm going to have to get my plane. We'll do one tomorrow at lunch. Let's talk about uh, the presentations. Yeah, yeah. Let's do the presentations then. Yes. Okay. We're, we're doing presentations tomorrow. Yes, that's right. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the overall, the, the theory is basically to do, you know, since it's a Silmarillion seminar, which is just a bunch of Tolkien fans getting together and reading through the Silmarillion and talking about it. And, of course, uh, one of the reasons that I wanted to do it in the first place is that, of course, so many people have such a hard time with the Silmarillion. Yeah. Um, I but, love it. I know. I isn't love it? Great? It's so brilliant it's like the ultimate acquired taste yeah. like once you once you get it once it clicks oh, yeah. it's can't incredible. get it out yeah, yeah exactly but um uh but anyway so basically the panel is to be looking at you know uh, it's a, a bunch of fans reading so brilliant and and, and and talking about us so we have some some excellent papers and arguments which have come out of our discussions over the course of the year and <laughs> it's actually only been what eight months now that we've been doing this? It's been quite a while. Uh, about six and a half, seven. No, we oh, started in late 2010. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. I looked it up. Right. I looked it up. Yeah, God, I think that's You put out the invitation in late November. I think it, was, it was Thanksgiving time. It was Thanksgiving. It was Thanksgiving weekend, in fact, because I had a couple people disgruntled about the fact that I put the ad, ad out on Thanksgiving weekend and they were like okay so I went away from the internet because I was with family for three days and I missed the invitation well, I mean those you snooze you lose slots yeah. were, were gone like that oh yeah I mean it was yeah yeah it was it, it was just, perfect it just timing. Was goes to prove there are rewards for obsessively checking Facebook that's correct yes <laughs> I was repaid for going to my podcatcher and refreshing a token professor every day. It's no new podcast. <laughs> so the moral of the story is yeah. don't give up, people. Sometimes it's still worth it. Yeah. Six and, months might and, go by. Set, set www.tokenprofessor.com to your homepage. <laughs> Is it your homepage? Uh, no. 
because I know what's on it. Okay. So I don't need to check it. His so. homepage is mymiddle-earth.com. There you go. There you go. Yeah. First yeah. thing he checks in the morning when he wakes up. <laughs> yeah. So tomorrow, it's good. the three of us are going to be giving papers, and the, the best one is going to be first, which is going to be mine. That's correct. So. Middle is worst. <laughs> That's, that would be Jordan. Yes. <laughs> and last He's is, very humble. Yes. As opposed to the topic of his paper, which is about pride. Yes. So. No, I think it's perfectly appropriate that the person who is writing on pride in the Silmarillion is... is Probably one of the most humble people I've ever met. Absolutely. So, yeah. <laughs> Without question. <laughs> I'm the humblest. I'm the humblest. And I'm proud yeah, of that. I'll just clean that up nicely. Yeah. Yeah. No, so that's, uh, yeah, it's a, so that's good. Yeah. So, 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 so topics? And my topics. paper is on uh, Niena and uh, Mercy and, and how that affects uh, events uh, in the Silmarillion and in the Lord of the Rings. So... I'm going to give Laura credit for the inspiration for my topic because it came out of something she said in a seminar That's right. evening. That's right. Not Dave. Not Dave. <laughs> I think that was my idea, guys. No, no. It was definitely Laura. I'm doing a paper on uh, parallels between uh, Aule in the Silmarillion and Abraham in the book of Genesis. Which is really cool because yeah. when you first say it, it's not obvious. Uh, but uh, as Berlin says, right? well, it, it's obvious to Berlin Flieger. Yeah. But to most people, it's not obvious. <laughs> Especially once. And she is coming with a list of questions for you. Sure she is. <laughs> right. Got to gird up my loins for that. But. Yeah, gird those loins. Yeah, and, and our plan is after after our presentations, before the Q and A, we're all going to get up and run out of the room and make Corey answer all the questions. Not true. My, my plan is to answer questions in the most obnoxious way possible. <laughs> I agree with 45% of what you said. <laughs> the rest of it I find atrocious. The likelihood that I would agree with you is less than random. Yeah. <laughs> Where is that? <laughs> oh, by the way, my paper is on Feanor and Finkel and their pride and downfall of themselves and the rest of Middle Earth because of them. Yes, yeah, so a, a nice comparison and contrast between the Subtle differences in the flavors of pride yes. Of, yes. Uh, of, of these two. And who better to explore the nuances? <laughs> a man who holds no pride. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would like to say that Geraldine uh, Flieger did say that Thingol is her favorite character. She thinks he's she fascinating did. and nuanced. All right, cool. She's tall. I will give her that. And, <laughs> yeah, he's also he's tall. Very he's tall. Also tall. She also reminded us that apparently, I didn't know this. You probably knew this. Maybe you knew. You, I'm sure you know. Apparently, Christopher Tolkien wrote the death of Thingol. Oh, yeah. He talks in the. In the it, it's, it's actually really funny. Um, in uh, in the second volume of the Book of Lost Tales, which is uh, you know the first versions of this of the stories which grow into the Silmarillion, which Tolkien wrote back in 1918. Uh, 17 and 18, and um, Christopher Tolkien, in his edition in Volume 2 of the History of Middle Earth, when he does the story of, well, the Nauglamir, but in the Book of Lost Tales, it's called the Nauglafrey, actually, um, and there's, there's more than one moment, there's like two or three moments in, in his commentary, where Christopher Tolkien just throws up his hands, and it's like... 
the, the textual situation of the story of the fall of Doria is so complicated. I'm not even going to talk about it right now. It's like maybe someday I'll be able to, you know, because this was years before he came up with it. And he does later on work it out. But it's, it's so complicated. It's one of the only stories that he's just like, um, I'm just going to pass on this one. We'll come back to that later on. So, yeah, it, it, was, it was really... Did he actually write it or rendition than Verlin gave? She she explained it as, yeah, Christopher Tolkien made that up. He fessed up to it in People's of Middle Earth. That's the simplified version. But he didn't really make, I mean, he made it up from probably different versions of notes. I'm explaining why he made it up. Okay, all right. Because, I mean, the death of Thingol happens. In fact, the death of Thingol... In, or the Thingol character, he's not named Thingol, he's named Tinwellen, but the name of the, of the Thingol figure in the Book of Lost Tales is actually really awesome. Talk about like things which would be good on film. Uh, he, uh, he dies off stage, but uh, uh, the, the, there's, this, there's this one elf, a Noldor who lives there, uh, who, who is a traitor, who betrays Doria and lets the dwarves in. And they show up. Uh, and Melian comes out. She's not named Melian either, but the Melian figure comes out, and she's like, "Wait until Tin Willen comes, and then you will be in trouble." And then, and then, and the traitor elf whips out Fingal's head. No. Oh God! Oh my goodness! <laughs> her feet. It's a Euripides wow. moment. Yeah, exactly. Wow. exactly. <laughs> hard for me to be a Noldor apologist. What happened to that guy? <laughs> that guy, I, I. Didn't make it. <laughs> <laughs> Figured, probably wow. is the case. Yeah, well, he was like, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, he's not like a linear designer, but I mean, you can say there's some elements in his character which are kind of similar to the things that are said about Ale, Mygwin's dad. That is, he's like the except, except obviously Ale's not not an Oldor, but he's like you know the craftsman uh, elf who works with the dwarves and is, you know is, is close friends with the dwarves and and has like his own smithcraft inventions that he's, he's, he's and so he also like Aeol has some of these like shadier I, I will say it's not entirely unprovoked I mean he kills Tim Wellen because Tim Wellen is a complete jerk to him uh, and like wrongfully imprisons him for months so, you know but aha pride 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 yeah no, you know why Feyenoord creates the silver elves? <laughs> yeah. oh, but uh, Jordan's not going to give that away, because that's his paper. Yeah, that's that's next year. That's that's next year, you all need to come to MythCon and find out why Feyenoord has created the silver elves. That's right. Yeah. Jordan is mean, going to give the... Striking, startlingly startlingly um, insightful. Yeah, that's right. You'll be shocked at what, how much he's penetrated. Shocked and odd. That's right. Tom Shippey, you know, says... It's unclear. Berlin Flieger just gave a talk today saying she has no idea. But it's because George Tom Chippy and Berlin Flieger are going to do it. Yeah. That's it. That's it. He's going to be out. be here next year. He's going to explain everything to everyone. He's going to take both their jobs. Right. I'm going to need an hour uh, seminar where my paper will be five minutes long. <laughs> Where in the text? <laughs> oh yes, yes, oh, we're having man. fun here at Mythic. I can't wait for 
that's for sure. Uh, Maybe Tom Shippey will have flown in just for this. <laughs> <laughs> Are we going to sneak the After listening to the live podcast. Are we going to sneak the recorder? I saw Christopher Tolkien checking into the hotel for tomorrow morning. He heard something's going on. Yes, yeah, no, he heard that some of the questions that he still had about the Silmarillion text are going to be answered. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Wanted to make sure to hear it in person. Yeah, he, he hadn't realized that Jordan Brown was actually on the because Jordan's Jordan's uh, uh, bio was left out of the program. Yes. So that's why he wasn't uh, yes. here from the beginning. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Word has Had he known who was going to be here, yeah. well, mm-hmm. and Bernie Flicker, bring your bring your A game tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> your questions will be answered with scorn. <laughs> Oh, God. Oh, I hope the poor thing isn't listening to this. Scorn mingled with humility. That's right. That's right. Yeah, they didn't They didn't put our bios in the uh, program because they read them, and then they're like, These people we are can't too good. Put, we can't they, will, they will put to shame the rest of our that's right, that's right. conference. That's right. Because I saw the bios of some of the other people. Ours couldn't have been worse. <laughs> Tomorrow I will laugh as if Faye <laughs> while answering all questions. You need to leave upon the table. Yes, and then he will smite upon the doors of the hangman. Jordan, I'm not going to lie. I was, I, I kind of thought you were getting a little fan about five minutes ago, actually. But, yeah. you know, when you were when you were issuing your open defiance to Berlin Flieger, right? I, I was, I was, I, oh boy. I, I, I thought that was diagnostic. Actually. Yeah, this yeah, is looking yeah. like the end. Yeah, I'm about to be surrounded by Balrog. Yeah. 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 I will wound her seven times. <laughs> and then once in the foot. <laughs> and then you hurt foot. And she will walk forever on the limb. Do not mess with Tony Singleton. She is really a nice lady. I just want to put that in. And Blind Guardian will make a song about her. That's there you go. That's right. All right. Well, okay, well, I uh, think that's pretty much yeah, it. Yeah, I think yeah, we, we, we need, some, we need some sleep so we can be that's right. coherent we'll be, tomorrow. We'll be, yeah, fight yeah, off yeah. the uh, attacks. Jordan, he's got a couple more hours in Yeah, there. I have a bar to return to, yes. yes. Thank you for sparing us time, by the way, <laughs> yes, for your conversation yeah. at the bar. Yeah. Yeah. You got a little schedule. busy at the bar, so yeah. 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 time to come back. That's good, that's good, that's good. That was very generous of you. Okay. So, My frightlessness allowed me to come. So they need like a quote or something, except yeah. they don't have one. Somebody, all right. Well, I, I'll at least say thanks, everybody, for God's joining feet. us. Yeah, I was gonna get He's to the guys. How could you do that? That's worse than Dave. People in person are so unruly. The internet really tames things down. I'm telling you, it's so much easier. Well, at least we can edit people out still. Anyway. I was going to say first thanks for joining us uh, at our very spontaneous live from MythCon discussion. Uh, in fact, it was so spontaneous that Dave had actually sent out the announcements. to. Th- I, I, I turned to Dave and I said, so Dave, are we going to do a broadcast? And he said, yeah, I just posted it on your Facebook page. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, thank you for joining us for our highly spontaneous conversation. <laughs> Uh, we hope it was informative. That's right. And entertaining. And, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and not maybe too silly. We'll get, maybe, maybe we'll do more from MythCon tomorrow. But we'll oh, yeah. Yep. Yes, yep. definitely. So I anyway. hope so. 
for the first time I will shout over the techno music. Thanks for listening and Godspeed.